Welcome to the GCU Law Podcast. I'm Issa Lamoud, Media Manager for the Law Clinic, and on today's podcast we have Alison Britton, a Professor of Healthcare and Medical Law and Head of Department for Economics and Law. Hello and welcome to the GCU Law Podcast. Today I'm here with Issa Mahmoud, our Media Manager for our Law Clinic, and Professor Alison Britton, Professor of Healthcare and Medical Law and the Head of Department of Economics and Law. So hello and welcome Alison and Issa and let me hand over to you guys. Thanks Jenny. So Alison, first of all, I think the first question we've got is kind of your entry point into law. Um, so how did you get into it? Why, you know, why law? Because I see, you know, you've got a variety of different areas you specialize in your public health care uh, your negligence etc uh, etc et I could go on and on um, so why law okay so good afternoon um both uh, Sinead and Issa thank you very much for inviting me to uh, take part in this podcast I'm delighted uh, to be here um oh journey into law was not a straightforward one um when I left uh, school at 17 I decided I wanted to travel and I got as far as Edinburgh and uh, stopped (laughs) and worked for a bank of Scotland for about three or four years. And that involved working in the agricultural section of the Bank of Scotland, which involved wearing a kilt, a very unattractive kilt. And I used to go to agricultural shows and put rosettes on prize-winning cattle. Um, So I now know the difference between a Romanola um, a Galloway and uh, <laughs> um, uh, bovine and whilst that was really exciting it had limited appeal and after maybe about four years I thought I really need to do something else and um, I thought okay it's uh, time to see what I really wanted to do and what I always I think thought of with law was, was something that I wasn't going to be able to do it was something unattainable um, for me um but i love the discipline as i thought i love the mindset so i actually went in as an adult aged 25 and was fortunate enough that somebody at the university of glasgow thought they'd give it a a shot and they let me in and that started it gosh that's so funny to hear alison you you know it must be quite don't know it's quite comforting for me to hear because i think we all have those insecurities that um whatever we do you know that imposter syndrome that it's not for us and it's um yeah it's quite incredible to hear about a head of department say that because you you're such a natural it's hard to believe that you had those insecurities too but I think we all have them and you probably feel the same Isa. yeah no definitely you know when you're going into law you don't really know oh is this for me absolutely I remember freshers week and I remember sitting in the Butte Hall um hearing the various inspirational lectures um welcoming us and i still had to pinch myself i'm thinking i can't believe i'm here Uh, i actually made friends quite quickly there was quite a lot of people that had maybe done a previous undergraduate degree as was the the thing at that time so i got to meet with people of my own age Um, but what it also gave me appreciation for was people that now come to us as a non-standard entrant so people have other experiences of life and maybe the same uncertainties that I had. Um, and I think it gives me an insight as to what that's like and to be able to welcome people into, into our community. But I loved it so much. Clearly, as an academic 30 years later, I have never left uh, university. Mm. So 
I did my undergraduate degree, loved it, um, and I had a very inspirational um, lecturer who taught forensic medicine at that time. Her name is uh, Professor Sheila McLean, and at that time, healthcare law as a subject didn't exist. Um, it was really only, as I say, forensic, and healthcare was part of a kind of larger branch of the, of the civil law there. But she was so passionate about her subject and so interesting. And just at the point that we were finishing our studies, she said, I'm going to set up a master's um, in health and medical law and ethics, and if you fancy it. And I was at that point, I was just finishing my undergraduate degree, and I got, luckily, I got a scholarship. Um, and actually did my diploma and my first year of my MPhil um, simultaneously, which was a bit scary. Uh, and then I did a second year of my master's um, and I just loved the subject so much. And uh, I went to Holland um, for a year, University of Rotterdam after that. Right. And my professor managed to find me a, a research job the following year. So I came back and that was the first, I kind of go for researcher um, working for her. And what is it you love about healthcare law, Alison? For, for our new first years who are starting, who maybe don't know much about it, what is it that, that you love about that subject? I think the first thing about healthcare is everybody has health and hopefully good health. And if we don't have good health, our primary objective is to get back to have that good health. Yeah. That's, that's the objective. And nothing else in our life works unless we have a reasonable standard of health. And not only for us, our families don't work if there's something wrong with our, with our parents, with our children, with our friends. And so it's a great common denominator to start with. And the other thing that I liked about it was it brought in so many interesting professions, not just doctors. Um, healthcare law used to be called medical law because it was only about law governing the practice of medicine. Um, but now it deals with people who look after our feet, podiatrists people who take our x-rays, physiotherapists, nurses. It's the whole panoply of everyone that we come uh, into contact with. And I suppose the other thing that I loved about the subject was it grew because I just said it didn't exist as a subject. And really people like Professor McLean um, and other professors up and down the United Kingdom and obviously overseas get started founding that subject. And the textbook, when it first came out, and I was doing this job maybe about four or five years, was 120 pages long. It's now nearly 800. <laughs> uh, so I think that tells you something about the complexity uh, of the subject there. And I suppose the other thing is, as well as it being a great common denominator and getting to meet people, um, it's also all about language and communication. Because if people come to you um, and they're sore, they're in pain, you have to find a way and not baffle them with a whole bunch of legalese. You need to be kind. You need to listen. You need to be understanding. So a lot of what I'm interested in now is how do we give information to patients? How do we understand that? How are they treated? Are they treated with kindness, respect? How are they allowed to make a decision about what's best for them in relation to their, to their health care? So that's one element that I, I really enjoy is the dialogue. And I suppose in my later life, a lot of what I do now 
is working with the government and trying to make sure that we have law to make sure that we've got a better deal for people who are patients. And let's face it, most of us, regardless of whether we're lawyers or academics or doctors, we are going to be patients or we're going to know someone that's going to be a patient at some point or other. Yeah, definitely. I feel like um, going on from that, I know you were saying you're, you kind of worked, uh, well, you know, you're an advisor to the government um, for, for you know, different years, you know, for the Adult Support and Protection Act 2007, I've got here and the Health and Support Committee for the end of life assistance. Um, so how was, you know, how was working with the government? Were they quite open? Um, every project is different. I think it's, it's fair to say, and it depends on the committee and like most things, it depends on the human beings that you're working with at that time. Um, the end of life um, legislation that we worked with was very, very interesting because that was brought to the Scottish Parliament by the late and great um, Margot MacDonald, MSP. And I think there was a lot riding with the Parliamentary Committee, the Health and Sport Committee that was overseeing it that at that time. Um, and apart from the difficulties of trying to bring in all the strands of, is it right for Scotland? How do we bring in protection mechanisms? How old should somebody be if they are legally allowed to request assistance to die? You also saw the, very clearly that the MSPs involved had their own views as well. Um, and some of these were emotional, but some of these might be political. So they might have had a large hospice in their constituency, or they'd have a hospital in their constituency. Um, they may have cultural views, um, and they just may be either very strongly for or against it. So I think that was one of the hardest, because despite having been involved in, in that area and advising in that area, you can never ever, as an advisor, let your own personal views come forward. And even when I teach it, I always say to people, I'm not going to express a view here, I'm just going to discuss it. But strong issues is very often healthcare brings out strong issues, very difficult moral and ethical dilemmas. Um, it's quite interesting to see how people how people manage those. It's a big burden to carry such difficult issues as well. It's interesting, Alison, because just now this is obviously so contemporary. I think our health and legal responses to um, healthcare. Yeah. It's, it's so topical and um, we can't escape it just now um, during the pandemic. Hopefully in years to come, students are listening to this podcast and they don't know what we're talking about, but we're very much living through the, the pandemic right now. And it's interesting to hear you, you know, so explicitly acknowledging your own work, the emotional labour that goes into that, because it is so much more than just the black letter law. You have people and people's lives and livelihoods. Yeah. That must be, um, that must be difficult. Um, as a professional working with that because you you do have so many people with vested interests in that process um, and you know that decisions you make, recommendations you make, research you do will actually impact on people's lives. Yes and I think that's maybe changed a wee bit over the years as well because initially when I started out it was working with government, government agencies, the Law Society and then organisations started approaching me uh, and then you're maybe dealing with the patient side, which was not really something um, in the earlier days that I was actually involved in. And um, I chaired the investigative review into the, the, the MESH 
uh, inquiry and that really for the first time I think in my life and that was only about three years ago now really brought me face to face with people who were sore who were confused who felt they hadn't been listened to and I had to learn and I don't know if I ever have yet truly learned how to manage the emotion um, you would speak to individuals and you'd finish the conversation you'd leave the room and you would be very emotional very distressed but I, you know you're trying to do a job with with people um, who are in a far worse situation so you have to be able to try and uh, and manage that but it was a very valuable lesson in in dealing with people and I think how could you really honestly say that you try and affect healthcare policy if you don't actually speak to the people that it affects the most um, yes. so I've really tried to keep that going now and I'm keeping that going um, and trying to deal with um, meeting with patients and taking that opportunity to address some of the issues that they have but in terms I think of the first years coming in I think my advice would be keep your options open because so many people come in and think oh, the law is all about the criminal law um, yeah. and of course it's about so much more than the criminal law and being a lawyer might or sorry studying law might not only lead to you being a solicitor you might actually want to come up and join the rest of us in, in academia here you really might want to travel further than Edinburgh and make a difference internationally in communities overseas so I think keeping your mind open um, is, is a great way to just come in, take all the experiences um, that the university life brings you and sample them all, make up your own mind. Um, yeah. I'm just going to ask Alison, you know, for first years who are coming in and who feel quite excited hearing you talk about healthcare law and medical law, where are they likely to encounter issues like this in the degree? Where are they likely to be taught by yourself and, and, and maybe in their core subjects, where will they encounter some of these big questions that we're talking about here? So you talked earlier that there's obviously quite a lot of strands to healthcare law um, and people sort of tend to think it's all about suing for what we call negligence. And negligence might be um, an operation going very badly wrong um, it could also be by neglect, leaving somebody perhaps in a hospital corridor. Um, just imagine perhaps an elderly person being left in an A&E department. That could be a possible negligence as well. But it's so much more than just suing people. Um, for me as a lawyer, that should be the last, the last point there. But in the early uh, introduction to this subject in first year, um, they will get some flavours of what um, healthcare law actually involves. But if you do like it, and I always try and encourage my students to, to at least dip their toe in the water, um, there's a specialist subject in level three, which covers everything from um, the black letter law, negligence. It looks at issues at the beginning of life, IVF, terminations of pregnancy, so quite controversial areas too. Um, and it also looks at matters around the end of life and the ethical and moral um, arguments there and if the students enjoy that there's an option for them in fourth year come back and do advanced healthcare law and that's much more around the government work the policy work how do you change the law what does a proposal what does a bill around the area of healthcare look like and if you were going to be critiquing it or 
saying to the politicians, this could be better. How would you write such a brief? How would you inform them at that time? But uh, my door, hopefully, even if it's metaphorically and online just now, and hopefully physically, is always open and students are always welcome to knock the door and discuss any element of this that uh, takes their interest at that time. Definitely. I think going back to I think going back to first years, um obviously over the last few years and especially this year we've got a lot of um a lot of first years coming in more than what we've seen over previous years. So what would you say to those kind of first years that are coming in? The best bit of advice you could give them in terms of, you know, why GCU is really good to study at? I think probably what I hope the students find to be good for them is the same I find to be good. Is that it's a community, a community of colleagues and um, matters such as the common good, social justice, no matter what area we're researching in, is a strand that we can all pull us all together um, and into one kind of common hope and aspiration there. So I think it's a sense of community. Um, despite the fact our numbers are growing, which is wonderful, we are smaller than uh, some of our neighbours in Glasgow and elsewhere. And I know that a lot of students are always pleasantly surprised. We know their names and we know what they do and we know if there's things going well for them. And equally, we know when things aren't going so well for them and we can pull together as a team um, to be able to, to help them with that. And the joys about doing optional modules in levels three and four, such as healthcare, I know everybody's name by the time you know they, they join my class and that can now be 60 to 70 of them. And if they come back in fourth year or they do a dissertation. So at the really important points of their study, um, myself and all my colleagues will know who they are, will know what they're interested in. And that also helps you get the best out of the students, as well as allowing the students to get the best out of their experience too. I think community is a great way of summing that up, Alison. And you know, it's something that I would say to first years coming in, that's actually to a large extent what the legal profession is like. We are quite a little community, lawyers, academics, solicitors, advocates, we're, we're, there's not that many of us. And it may be a bit different for first years this year, or for all our students this year, um, we're living in a bit of a different uh, world than we were this time last year. But what hasn't changed is that community. And I think that a really good piece of advice I got on my first day of first year was to look at the people around me in the room and realise that they were my network and that these were the people that I would celebrate successes with and commiserate not so successful times with. And I think that's a lovely thing, even as we go into this kind of new digital space, that still exists. We're here, we're a community where our metaphorical Zoom doors are open um, as members of staff, but also students you all have that opportunity to start building your network as lawyers in the widest sense um, from day one of first year. You'll maybe be looking around at some of the people that, sit, that were in your first year online Zoom seminar and think, goodness, you're a partner at a firm or you're calling to the bar or you're an academic. And it's, it's a wonderful thing starting to build that community right from the get-go. Yes, and I think the, I think it's also about confidence too. People come in to GCU with different levels of confidence. Some already feel very able to speak out and join in in seminars and say what they think, and others are less so. And again, I, I am I think we're all very good at being able to get the best out of people. 
you can see whether it's an online class or whether it's a face-to-face -face class if someone's a little bit more hesitant you'll maybe try and encourage that person or you'll speak to them afterwards because law is all about language law is all about communication and there's a myriad of ways that you can actually communicate and you've got to find the way that's best for you um, and I think it's giving people the time to be able to do that with their own peers and with us in a place that they're comfortable in to find how they can get the best out of themselves and that's our job at the end of the day to be able to give them a great education and but to also help them find their own way and, uh, and what they want to do um, with their law degree from GCU as well. Yeah absolutely yeah definitely I think moving on to kind of more general advice for students you know for students maybe not in first year and you know, second third and fourth year what would you say is I know you touched on keeping your options open and having a very kind of open mind into different aspects of law and um, which I've been told myself and that you know I found that advice really useful is there anything else that they would need to think about I suppose my my other part of my advice would be go with their own gut instincts I think it's very easy to be swayed that somebody else looks like they're really good at commercial law and documentation and you're thinking actually all I really want to do is stand up the court um, and defend uh, those that have been accused of a crime and you're never then going to be a commercial lawyer that you know follow your heart do what you think is right for you and I think very often um, even with our our parents and our families they're very proud of us to say that we're going in and studying law and they may have very strong views that might not always agree with what you want to do and very often I think people not studying law think the only thing they can do with it is be a solicitor and I think as we've talked about already there's so many other things that they, they could do um, they might want to go into policy they might want to go into journalism they may wish to do something in the international community um, and practicing is the one that's probably the most recognized but particularly with online and the digital communities that we're all in now, there's so many other things that, that you can do. And I think it's also okay to be in second year, third year and fourth year and not be quite sure. Take your time. You know, um, my career in law was only starting probably about four years after most people are graduating um, uh, uh, during their LLB there. So, take the time explore options don't rush into a diploma or spending lots of money on following up education if it's not if your heart's not actually in it there's plenty of time to put these feelers out and decide what it is that you quite want to do definitely that's really good advice thank you Alison I think that is the perfect place to end this episode Thank you to Alison for joining us today. You can find Alison on Twitter at Prof A Britain. That's Prof A Britain. And finally, thank you for listening to the GCU Law Podcast.